The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com. I have been trying to work with Darren to get this out there for two years. The Cowboys do not have interest in doing this at this time. But I'm telling you, it would make the last dance look like a cartoon. Oh, yeah. It would make it look like a Saturday morning cartoon. But here's the The problem. We would incriminate everyone – including self, I would incriminate myself <laughs> if I did something like this. There's no way I'm not. I, no. It would be the greatest series ever. I mean, it's not close. It's yeah. not close. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to More Than Football. I'm in New York where there are six inches of snow on the ground, so I put a beautiful beach landscape behind me. This Trey apparently now just lives at the beach. What's up, Trey? Um, yeah, look, you're 100% right. This is uh, this is home for me for four or five months out of the year now, and I make zero apologies for it. Like, and, and nor should you. Nor should zero. You. I, I love zero your... Zero upon zero upon zero. I loved your uh, Instagram video with you and Phil Mickelson, and I'm like, man, uh, like it's one thing for Trey to be in Maui. It's another thing for <laughs> him to just be humble bragging with golfing with, uh, with Phil. So good stuff. Yeah, he was great, by the way, and uh, not to cross-reference my podcast, but he'll be joining us on a future episode of Half Forgotten History ah. uh, on Trey Wingo Presents, so we're looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, make sure you check that out on YouTube. A few other golfers will be popping up soon, too, so we're looking forward to that, and we're taping with Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson on Monday, so we're looking forward oh. to that as well. Oh, man, I got an Eric Dickerson story for both for both you and our guests as, uh, as we pull him in here. The great, the great... Darren Woodson, former Dallas Cowboy, former ESPN NFL analyst, but even cooler, all-time Dallas Cowboys tackler. What's up, Darren? How are you? Man, I'm jealous. My man is darker than I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) He's in a beautiful scenery in the back. Look at the scenery in the back. Let let me tell you something. Okay, now I love Darren for saying that, but I don't know anybody that's one more at life than Darren Woodson. Okay, this this guy, like you like he's the leading tackler in the history of the Dallas Cowboys. He's yeah. in the ring of honor. He's a he's a finalist for the or semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Was a finalist or semifinalist? No, they bought, semifinalist. They bought yeah. This bull. That's I'll say that's a okay. That's a right there. And I'm the leading guy to make sure Darren gets into the Hall of Fame. And it's not really because of him. It's because of me. Because he <laughs> promised me years ago years ago that if he ever got in i'd be his presenter so this is really i'm pretending it's about darren it's about me that's right is this is this true darren like does that yeah that I told him that when we get in hopefully we're not i'm not in a wheelchair and a walker but yeah. you know when we get in yeah trey's bringing it in man he's bringing it listen li- listen he's a three-time super bowl champ he yeah. was the he the leading tackler in the history of that organization i, I don't know I don't know what else you need as qualifications for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but they don't ask me, so who knows? Yeah, well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what, uh, Darren, I'm always saying I- I'm trying to live vicariously through Trey. It's the only reason why I even do this podcast, right? So so a little peek behind the curtain for you, listener, all right, as we go through this. I'm typically trying throughout the beginning of the week to find who our guest is going to be for-, for the podcast. And what inevitably happens is by Thursday – my my connections have dried up because I'm not Trey Wingo. So I'll shoot Trey a text. I'll say, Trey, I think you're just stuck with me this week. And inevitably, Trey's like casual, right? I'll just uh, I'll give Darren Woodson a call. <laughs> oh, okay. Just go give Darren Woodson a call because that's easy, <laughs> apparently. And then next thing I know, 
we'll see uh we'll see darren on friday at 2 30 eastern so life is good for me because vicariously i get to do this with trey so darren thanks for for being on the show with us man no oh, man anytime man that, look you just said it like me and i call him sensei it's hard for me to call him trey i don't think i've called him trey in years so i've always called him yeah. sensei because he's helped me so much throughout the year so he called me and he was like hey needs you tomorrow at 1 30 what blah, blah blah and i was like all right uh, got you well, i'm on i'll well, figure listen, it out listen that's family I, I, we need to we, we we told this story a million different times but we haven't told it here so we need to tell the, the darren woodson first day at espn story oh yes please, please, like, please. This, this was no no it, it's it's a testament to how to how good you are okay so he was there just to observe one day, you know, it was, it was like 2006, 2005. I can't remember exactly when it was. It was, it was in the summers. He was there just to observe and it wasn't going to, he wasn't supposed to be on the air today. Okay. Wasn't a Jerry Rice retired. That's right. By the way, Jer Jerry Rice retired in Broncos training camp as a member of the Broncos. <laughs> like, right. I'll never forget when they were interviewing him, they actually said, hey, uh, Jerry, you need to hurry up. We need the room. Like, <laughs> he's the guy that was voted the number one player in the history of the NFL. Like, they're saying, can you move along this retirement thing? Because we need the room. So, you know, obviously Darren's Cowboys and Jerry's Niners were the battle the of the 90s they were the rivalry of the 90s yep. they won super bowls so now they're like darren we need you to go on and we used to do this thing at espn called instant analysis which oh. by the way is the hardest thing you do because you take you basically take uh, a football player and say stare into the camera and talk about a topic for 35 seconds well, first of all, no one has a stopwatch in their clock in their head. It's like, <laughs> have I talked 20 seconds? Have I done 30? I, I don't know. And it's his first day. And he's talking about arguably the greatest player in the history of the NFL. It took uh, how many tries? 47. 47. This is the first time I've actually been spent time with Trey and Mark yeah. and it, and Brett, I'm sure you've had conversations with, with stink, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you can imagine these two are on the set with me and I'm, I'm the oddball third guy out. It took 47 trials, man. <laughs> and they were back there just giggling, laughing. Like, Let's go. Finish this thing. Like, oh my God. This is Darren, let, me, let me tell you, th that has not changed, right? Because this is my first time doing a pod with Trey. And after almost every episode, Trey will hit me up with some notes. He'll be like, dude, it took you seven minutes to ask that question. Can you just, can you please ask it much shorter? And then we did have, you know, I've, I've had many conversations with Stink, but he was on the show few weeks back and i was unable to make that show so i i said trey look man i can't i can't be there i got something that came up you know you and stink are gonna have to do it by yourself and trey in no uncertain terms was like yeah that's fine me and me and stick know what we're doing we we've done this before we've been around the block a few times um so by the I, way I stink, stink's coming to hawaii next week so we'll, oh, we'll send y'all yeah. we'll send y'all some pictures after yeah, all this yeah. game of the year we'll send you some pictures don't worry guys we'll get right back to the show but before we do i need to let you guys know that i love to explore new wines but as much wine as I drink, I'm not always sure what to get. And that is why I love First Leaf Wine Club. They remove all of the guesswork, doing all the hard work to discover great wines so I can just drink them. The great thing is First Leaf winemakers sample 10,000 wines a year. That's about as many yards as Patrick Mahomes might have over the next year or two if he keeps at this pace. But they do that 10,000 wines across five continents and 12 countries. And they only select the best bottles for the club. And the best thing is all you got to do 
take a five-minute quiz. They create a custom wine print for each member that maps their vast portfolio of wines to each person's unique taste. Now, the more wines you rate, the more each shipment is personalized to your taste. What is better than that? I know for one, I love getting different bottles of wine to explore each and every single month so I know what I like, what to get, and what to stay away from. Although, let's be honest, I'm not staying away from too many wines. Now, to celebrate your special first, the moments that count, and the holidays with First Leaf, this wine club is designed to help you discover all the new wines you will love personalized to your taste, delivered to your door. So join today, and you'll get six bottles of wine for only $29.95 with free shipping. That's less than $5 a bottle, guys. Gotta try First Leaf. Go to firstleaf.com slash pro football. That's right. Firstleaf.com slash pro football for six bottles of wine for $29.95 with free shipping. Here's a toast to first. May you enjoy them with the people you love from the first to sip to the last. Try firstleaf.com slash pro football. Now back to the show. Well, this is good. And I always love when we have someone on Darren who Trey has a great relationship with and and just automatically, man, like I feel like I've known you for a while. Like this is just good for the pod and good for the conversation. But look, man, real quick, the NFL season this year has been nothing short of crazy. And I feel like maybe at the end of every year we say that, but this year in particular, yeah, this year. to kick us off here, to you, what has been the most surprising thing from this NFL season so far? Oh, man. Honestly, look, I'm a homer here in Dallas. Yeah. So one thing that's been really surprising for me, and you got to understand here, you know, the offense, the Dallas Cowboys offense has been pretty strong the last few years. And, you know, they've really, they got a lot of talent. Um, But the struggle's always been on the defensive side of the ball. I would have never have guessed that this young defense would be where they are today. As far as takeaways, playing the level that they're playing, having the guys that I'm talking, Mike, the Micah Parsons of the world, who would have ever have guessed yeah. that, that, you know, they would have drafted a young kid this year that would have been this impressive throughout the entire season. The most consistent player I feel like that's been on the football on the football field this yeah. year for this team. So uh, that's been again, I'm being a homer here, but that's been my biggest surprise because they've just been so bad defensively uh, for so long. Well, he, he's a hundred percent right. I mean, just so people understand, you know, people, we forget how quickly things change in the NFL. Last year, the Cowboys gave up the most points in franchise history, the most points in franchise history. And this year, they're the first team since the 2007, I think, Chargers to have a player with at least 11 sacks and 10 interceptions on the same team. And that was Antonio Cromartie, who had as many sacks as children. I think that your interceptions as children. That year. And, uh, and Sean Merriman. So, like, there's no doubt in my mind that Dan Quinn, if there there isn't an award, but you're giving an award for the coordinator of the year, yeah. it has to go to Dan Quinn. Yeah. It has to go to Dan Quinn. Yeah. You call you called that out, Trey, early in the season, right? One of our earlier episodes, yeah. you said that Dan Quinn was a guy to keep an eye on for what he could do with Dallas. But you mentioned Micah Parsons, Darren. Is is he, he I mean, is he your defensive rookie of the year? And let me take it a step oh, further. Would you consider him for defensive player of the year? Absolutely. I, I would put him up there as, you know, I, I think you got to put him up there in the top five defensive players of the year. Will he get it? Maybe not. But as far as rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, hands down. I mean, this kid, yeah. you know, you, you watch what he can do. Okay, I know we see him as a pass rusher. 
But there's so many things that a lot that it allows Dan Quinn to be versatile in his play calling because he can play every position. The only position I haven't seen him play was, you know, the actual corner position. He just made a play the other day that looked like a cornerback. So, I mean, the, the kid is versatile. He's extremely smart. And what you hear about him is he has a, 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 a football IQ that's outside this world. Yeah. And he's fast and athletic, man. And I, I haven't seen many players come in at that age and impress the way that he's been able to impress, you know, over this over this season. And it's uh, it, it's been a, it's been a, a, a joy to watch the entire season. But there's the expectation levels for Micah Parsons have gone up now. Uh, yeah. The expectation is he's going to make a play every time he's out on the field. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, just just a great draft pick for this for this organization. Yeah, and you, when you when you think about Parsons, by the way, if T.J. Watt gets close to the, if he sets the record, he's going to oh, get the he's got of the year, and, and he shows. By the way, think, do you think that's justified, Trey? Like, is it? I, I do. I, I do because you know I think T.J.'s missed two games, so if he oh, sets point. or breaks mm. the record, he's actually going to do it in fewer games than Strahan. So yeah, that's a great you know, point. Uh, and and so the, and by the way, let's. I love Michael Strahan. Brett Favre gifted him the record. We all know that. I mean, they were they were boys. He fell down. So technically, on sacks earned, earned on merit, he's already tied Michael Strahan. Darren, okay, let's, just, when let's that, just be clear about that. When that happened, Darren, I have to ask this because you know, uh, I, I forgive me, I can't recall if you were still playing or if you you have yes. if you were not okay. When you saw that happen, Brett Favre lays down for Michael Strahan as a defensive player on a rival team for the Cowboys. What what was going through your mind when you said You know, it, it wasn't even about the rivalry, honestly, at that point, because Strahan was, and I think I was retired at the time that uh, that, that that play took place. But I remember watching that game, and it wasn't about the rivalry between the Giants and the Cowboys. It was more so the way Brett just laid it down. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was so, and, 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 and let's think about it. Who was, Trey, who held the record before that? Uh, was it Gastonum? I think it was. Was it Gastonum? Yes. 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 Yeah. Whoever it was that held the record before that, you got to believe they turned over on that one. <laughs> Could not believe that Brett. And it was so obvious. And Brett lied through his teeth yeah. after the game. And, oh, yeah. I didn't do it on purpose. No, you did. You did. As a matter of fact, yeah. you guys probably had a conversation. and you Because the, the Green Bay Packers were going to win that game, hands down. They were right. winning that game. There was a conversation that was had. Hey, just lay down for me one time, Brett. And, you know, <laughs> I'll just run over and touch it, you. I'm not gonna hit it was you. A t- run yeah, over it was the 2001 you. season, so you were still playing. It was 2001. I was still playing. Yeah. So that's yeah. You know it. it you know those things happen, uh, and I'm sure those two are still probably have a, a great relationship to this day. But there was some dialogue that took place before that. Right. Well, well, I'm not trying. Yeah, but like if you're an offense, like Schlereth had this point. Like if he was a Packers offensive lineman, he oh. was. He would have been pissed like yeah. dude what and you could make the argument by the way and we're, we should move on to this topic because it's not going to do us any favors <laughs> but you could make the argument that that was a run attempt as much as it was a pass it wasn't even really yeah. a sack it was a tackle for a loss <laughs> like i never saw anything like this it was just like i'm gonna lean oh. forward and you're gonna yeah. tackle me. so yeah. this, okay, this so makes it. this makes what tj watt is going to do trey right that much more yeah. impressive that's the takeaway from, from it that, would be yeah. actually earned not gifted like the holidays um, but, but, but the, the reason I sort of got off on that tangent, I don't know, uh, was because what Darren was saying about the versatility of Michael Parsons, like people need to understand if he just played linebacker, he'd probably be up there with Darius Leonard and the kid from Atlanta leading the league in tackles this season. Yeah. If he was just an edge rusher, like oh. TJ Watt or some of those other people, he'd probably be up for that. 
That's the thing that makes him special. He, he's like a Derwin James type player. You can literally put him anywhere on the defensive side of the field and he's going to produce for you. Yeah, and, and it's funny you bring up Derwin James because that's what I wanted to ask. One of the things I wanted to ask Darren about too is I feel like we're seeing a, a renaissance of safety play, right, in the NFL. Like I think for a while we, we moved away from that. It was corners and pass rushers. Those were the ideal spots. But now we have Derwin James, Mike, uh, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, the, the rookie from Oregon, Javon Holland in Miami, and the list goes yeah, on. Are, are you seeing that too, Darren? Is that something like you're you know kind of picking your head up a little bit and going, oh, finally, the yeah, safeties you know, are making a return? You know what I've always liked? And I've always looked at safeties around the league because you know when I played, I had to do a number of things. I had to be versatile. I had to come down and tackle, you know, fill the C gap. I had to cover the slot receiver, cover the best tight end, run down on kickoff and punt play all the special teams. And the versatility allowed us to do a lot of things with Mike Zimmer as our defensive coordinator. But at the same time, I've always measured safeties in that aspect. If you're a guy that at the safety position and all you are is a one dimensional player, I, I'm a big hitter and that's it. Yeah. That doesn't help your team across the board. So yeah. these guys like Derwin James is, is the epitome of a kid, of a guy that has the versatility to do everything. You know, he never has to come out of the game. You never, right. but you know, he's never in a situation where he's your weakest link within that defense. And, and, and you're starting to see that Fitzpatrick's another one. There's a number of guys right now that have the athleticism to do a number of things to help their teams, teams <clears throat> win football games. And that's, that's a sign of a great safety. It's not that big guy that's just going to come down and lay the wood, and then the next play he's isolated with a tight end, and, you know, he's beat for a touchdown. Man, the guys now, they got to play. They got to line up and cover slot receivers and make big plays, and, and, and there's a handful of them that can do it all. Well, you were, you were a guy that could do it all, and, and I love you telling your story about when you first got to the Cowboys because, you know, you were not at that point what we would call a patient person yes. uh, with wanting to be on the field. But you learn through that process and you actually helped another guy that came through and had to sort of had to sort you had to mentor him to not be you. Talk right. about Brock Marion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So when I came in, yeah, that's a great story, Trey. So when I came in as a safety, you know, this this team was eleven and five the year before and uh, made it to the second round of the playoffs. And but their issue was in the secondary. They needed to get stronger in the secondary. Uh, I came in as a linebacker, which was a tweener and out of college and then came in with yeah. the Cowboys and they didn't know what I was going to play. They didn't know if I was going to play safety or linebacker. Those were the two uh, positions. Uh, instantly, they figured out, hey, this guy can cover. Let's play it. Let's play him at corner. So I'm, <laughs> I, <laughs> instead of me lining up at the safety position my first year, I learned, lined up at the nickel position and then ran down on special teams and the nickel position basically had me covering tight ends and slot receivers. Yep. And it was such a different from what I was used to in college, but it was something I was ready for because Lovey Smith was my coach in college. He prepared me to, put, to, to cover and be versatile and do things that way. But I sat there that first year and every day I bit my tongue. And sometimes I did say some things. <laughs> I wasn't the happiest person and I wasn't a starter. I sat there for a long time and said, and Jimmy Johnson had a lot of conversations with me about biding my time. Dave Campbell, who was our defensive back coach at that time, said, just be patient. And I was like, God, damn patient. Yeah. I want you to call my name. And I think it's, you know, it played to my ego a little bit because, you know, as a football player, or as an athlete, you want to be called out. You want the, that, 
when they call the names out and they introduce the defense, you want your name to be the one that, that they say when, that when the team runs out. And, and that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I had to, you know, it was, it was a great season because we won the Super Bowl that year, but it, trust me, I, I was not patient about uh, being a backup that year. And, and, and the other thing that, like, and Darren and I have talked about this a lot, like, can you imagine the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s today in the social media world that we oh. live in? I don't know if they'd have fielded a team no, for half we don't the games. We don't. Uh, that that team, though, that team, that team was such a rock star. It, like I tried, like the the last dance documentary about the Bulls. The yeah. Cowboys were the Bulls of the NFL. Okay, they won yeah. three Super Bowls in four years. The first team to ever do it. I mean, this is how much that '90s team was revered in Dallas. Everybody had a deal. The long snapper, Dale Hellestray, oh, yeah. had his own radio show. Kenny Gant, who was a gunner, he was a yeah. gunner on special teams. The Shark, he had his own radio show. Find me another football team today where the long snapper and the gunner have their own radio shows. It doesn't exist. Those are some good times too, Trey. And you're right. That I mean, you remember. Yeah, that I remember. And uh, I, you're right. I think the one thing um, – that was uh, that we got away with back then is that there was uh, there weren't cameras, there weren't yeah. iPhone cameras. Yeah, if there were. You're right. We 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 will we would not be talking about that team being a dynasty football team. Well, it's funny because right the 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 thing that's taking up so much conversation this week has been the Antonio Brown controversy, yeah. and it just feels like back He'd in the day right that in. would be a blip. He'd have fit right in. Yeah, <laughs> shirtless and all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there were a number of guys, and, I, and and credit needs to go to Jimmy Johnson back then. Yeah. I mean, it really does because he had a lot of personalities across the board. So the Charles Haley's, the Michael Irvin's, the Nate Newton's, Big Newt. Uh, there were so many guys that had these, you know, extreme – Alvin Harper, these extreme personalities. Charles Haley. Yes. There were, <laughs> Jimmy knew how to put his thumb on these individual players, on all the players, and knew what made them tick. So – uh, a lot of credit goes to Jimmy as far as filling the team and making sure we got we stayed out of trouble. Um, let, let's let's focus now on the current Cowboys. We talked about the defensive side of the ball, Darren. I was asked this question uh, earlier this week, and I, I thought of the Cowboys immediately. Uh, they said, "Is there one team heading into the postseason that you have no idea what's going to happen to them? They could, their ceiling is so high, but their floor is so low." And I kind of feel that's like Dallas right now because I never know what team's showing up. I mean, look at the last two games. You know, Washington comes to town. They set it. They tie a franchise record with eight touchdowns. They put up the most points of the year, 56 in the 56 to 14 win. Uh, Dak becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to throw a touchdown pass in the same game to a wide receiver, running back, a tight end, and an offensive lineman. Mm. Then the next week, Arizona comes to town. They've lost three straight. They don't have their best running back in Connor. They don't have their best wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. And the Cowboys laid an egg. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, they're, they're good. Their best is as best as any team in the league. Yeah. But they also have laid some stinkers. You know, that, that loss to – to the Denver Broncos at home, the Kansas City loss. And I get it, they lost CeeDee Lamb and Amari wasn't there. But there have been real vacillations in right. how the Cowboys perform this year. Yeah, and that's been one of the things that you that we've been looking at here, you know, as, as far as, especially the organization, I know they've been looking at it as far as the consistency of the play of this team. And, you know, what we have realized over 
uh, over this season is Dak Prescott's a totally different player than he was before he he had the the calf injury. Correct. The play has not been the same, and I think we would all agree uh, to that that there's still something wrong, just quite wrong, you know, just not right with you know his delivery of the ball, the way he's sitting in the in the pocket. He's, uh, he's been impatient. He's trying to drive the ball down the field when times where he can just dink and dunk it uh, and take what the defense gives him. So I think that's where it starts offensively. They have been inconsistent across the board. And another thing it's, as well, Chase, I mean, Trey, when I watch this game, watch, watch this team play is they haven't defined themselves on who yeah. they are as far as our offensive identity. Correct. There are times in this game, and you just turn the film on. If you ever watch, go back and watch their games. Amari Cooper's open. And he said he pretty much said it the other day. I'm open. He did. He has been open. So at some point, you got to define who your guys are and mm-hmm. how you want to attack defenses. If you have one-on-one coverage with CD Lamb, you may need to go to CD. If you have two safeties high, then you got to figure out a way to run the ball. This team is at its best. And I want to go back to this. This team is at its best when Zeke is going and when Pollard are going. That way they keep you in they keep you hard. It's hard to match up with them defensively when the running game's going. Now you got to isolate and go one-on-one on the outside. And that's when they kill you down the field. But they have to get this running game going. The offensive line needs to play better, and Dak needs to definitely need to play better. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought up Dak and Antonio because I think there's something there that you know people don't understand. Like we're going to hear whenever the Cowboys season ends. And for the Cowboys sake, I hope it ends at SoFi Stadium with a Lombardi trophy. Yeah, I was never right after that surgery. And, you know, the whole Antonio Brown saga that we're talking about. Darren, you've lived it where you go through a season and you know you're effed up, but you're not going to talk about it and you're not going to you're not going to point fingers. And then, you know, in your medical exit interview, you find out from the team doctor, wow, that's was way worse than we thought you're gonna need surgery so people need to understand in this antonio brown he's putting out there that he needs this yes he does but that's not a surprise and it's not as much on the bucks as you might think because he was complaining at halftime about not getting his targets so if it's as bad as he says it is he wouldn't be complaining and at halftime i'm not getting my targets Targets. this happens all the time you yeah. got through it nobody's healthy this time of year yeah. and then you you play through it because you can and then when it's time to get it fixed you get it fixed yeah and uh, let me tell you at this point in the season and i'd say about week nine or ten no one's healthy mm. everyone's banged up you got these nagging injuries whether it be neck or shoulder or whatnot i played an entire season with a shoulder that kept on subluxing out the entire season they put a harness on me the entire, I mean, this happened week two, and I was like, there's no way I get to week 16, 17 of this season. Here we are, week 17 of the season. So, you know, a lot of players have to deal with that, and you have to just deal with it. Just It's just a part of the game. You know, what, what really frustrated me about that whole Antonio Bryant deal was, you know, there's 52 other men in that locker room yeah. there, there are that are banged up, that are hurting every single day. And then you go out and you're in a game, in a tight game, you're actually getting getting your your your, your ass handed to you. The first half the Jets, the Jets yeah, of all teams, and everyone else is still fighting on yeah. the field. And then you, because you're not getting the balls, and I'm tired of hearing this excuse. Excuse my language. That's all good. Bull, this bullcrap excuse about why well, my injury, this ankle. You then then, then don't suit up if yeah, that's right. the case. But don't show up and then complain at halftime about not getting your targets, not getting balls, and then come out and say, I got it. It was an ankle injury. No, man. 
You're selfish. You've always been selfish. You're not a team player. And this team did the best thing they could do. Move on without you. Well, look, this this to, to paint your picture perfectly, Darren, as he's jumping jacking off the field shirtless, Brady's on the field slinging passes to guys you've never heard of, right? Yes. About yes. letting down the 52 other guys. And Trey, I'm sorry, but you were going to say something. No, 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 no. It's a, it's 100% true. And, and you know, to, to that point, like, <laughs> you, you can't have it both ways. No, you, can't. You, you can't have it both ways. Either you are that bank, like, because – everybody at this point in the season is hurt. If you decide to put on that uniform, you play. The only guy I know that retired during a game before Antonio uh, Brown was Vontae Davis, who, <laughs> who retired at halftime. And quite frankly, if he, if he was, if he's, if he was done fine, God bless him. I, I, I respect him. But now Antonio's like, I want to play. I, I just, I don't know if anybody can, can look at what happened on that field. Maybe Jerry will, I don't know, Mm. but, you know, and say, yeah, this makes sense for us because let's just look at the three coaches that have moved on from Antonio Brown, Mike Tomlin, who by the way is still the only coach in NFL history to have 15 straight non losing seasons to Mm -hmm. start his career. The list of everybody else that's done that all other coaches, not named Mike Tomlin. He's the only one to have 15 straight non losing seasons to start a career. Bill Belichick, the greatest coach arguably of any sport anywhere of all time, and Bruce Arians, who could not be a more player-friendly coach. You have pissed off those three coaches. I mean, like, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, you were a problem for those three guys. I I guess – if he, the only one he's missed is Andy Reid, you know, right. it's Mount Rushmore <laughs> pissing off all the great coaches. If somehow he gets to Kansas city and he F's that up too. Right. No, it's, it's, it, and I tell you what, you talk about a talent. Oh, oh my God. Hall of fame talent, Singular. right? He's Singular. hall of fame talent, man. I mean, just, he can do everything, man. And at, at his size, and I know everybody wants to throw all well, his size. He's small. No, man, just as a player, he yeah. can do it all. He'll go up and get it. Great route runner. Great hands, great speed, just just understands the game, man. And uh, it's just a shame to see that talent not be, not out on the field. Let me, it, let me. It is. It, it, just real quickly, Brad, because yeah, we have to acknowledge, yeah, he's he obviously needs some help. There's no yeah, question yeah, about absolutely. that. But but to the but to the production standpoint, he's the only player in NFL history with six straight hundred catch seasons. No one mm-hmm. else has more than four. You know, and I think he still has the third or fourth best uh, receiving total at eighteen hundred yards one year. Uh, that Cooper Cup actually has a chance to break and and get all that uh, taken care of. But, like, yeah, no, in terms of talent alone, if he just wasn't, you know, crazy, right? and, and I don't I, – I, I, if he wasn't just so volatile and having some issues he has to deal with, he'd walk into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, walk yeah. absolutely. This is the way I – you know, just to put a bow on this, I'd love to get your both of your takes on, on this next statement. The way I've been summing this up is I don't think there's a victim in this entire situation. Right. I think Brown is who he is. Right. So there's there's guilt there. But Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, who also is responsible for why he's in New England, both had plenty of opportunity to see who this guy is. And enablers. They're enablers. They're not victims here. And that's that's just my my feeling on it. Like like the the other guys, the other Buccaneers in that locker room. You're right. They're they're suffering. But those two. I just feel like, you know what, all three of you are should share the guilt of what this whole situation is wrong, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I absolutely agree with that. But can you blame Brady? 
Can you blame no. No. Uh, Arians? We just you, talked you, about the talent, right? You, you get a once-in-a-lifetime talent. Yeah. And you know that it, it's going to be a hard matchup. You got Evans. You got, you know, all these other guys. Gronk. You know, who's going to Godwin. Match yeah. God, yeah, Godwin. There's so many good players that it's hard to match. He's a night, matchup nightmare. And Brady, see, at, before this happened, seemed to be the only person that could actually put his thumb on him to get mm-hmm. him to, you know, act accordingly, I would say. So, you know, look, it didn't work out. So now now it's on the move on. So you're right. They're not they're no victims here yeah. at all. Yeah. Well is that- your your former coach summed it up perfectly. Jimmy Johnson used to say, I'll treat everybody equally, but I won't treat everybody the same. Right. And he knew like the better you are, I'm gonna give you a little bit more because you mean more to our team. And and Bruce Arians summed it up perfectly when you know, Antonio was coming back from the three-game suspension for the anti-vax card fiasco, and Evans and Godwin got hurt, and he said it, and he he was as honest as he could be. I'm bringing him back because it's in the best interest of the football team. Mm-hmm. They needed him. Right. They got Evans back. He did that. They don't need him anymore. Right. The longer your leash is, is dependent on how good you are in the NFL. That is the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. It's the way it's always going to be, and it ain't never changing. Right. Yeah. And 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 real quick, would you say, Darren, that that's the biggest difference between the locker rooms maybe of today and what you had in Dallas? We talked about how you know crazy or fun we'll use that word the locker room was for you both work back then. But you also <laughs> mentioned that there seemed to be this this dichotomy of not caring about the other guys I'm sharing this locker room with. So I'm going to act a fool and I don't care what the consequences are for my locker room. But you had guys who were maybe volatile in your locker room, but it seemed like <laughs> they never put that in front of the locker room itself. Is that a fair statement? Uh, for, uh, very. So, you know, and, and I think it was because of, uh, of understanding the ultimate goal. I think the one thing <laughs> that you knew about this locker room is the leaders within the locker room, the Troy Aikman's, the Michael Irvin's, who was half crazy himself. The Emmett Smiths, the you know the the Daryl Johnstons, the the you know Mark Two and Eight. There's so many guys that had these out out you know these worldly personalities, but the ultimate goal was to win. Mm-hmm. And the work ethic, work ethic, and I always go back to Troy and Daryl Johnston when I say this. I walked in as a young rookie in 1992 and watched Daryl Johnston and Troy Aikman show up every day at 5:45 a.m with their lunch pails ready to go to work. And when your star players, when the MS Smiths show up at 6.30 and 6.15 in the morning, they get their workouts in before practice. Mm-hmm. And then they stay after practice and watch extra film. That's when you know you have something. It's when the star players aren't putting in the work is when you have turmoil within the locker room. And our star players in the 90s put that work in. And and, and, and you know this, and I don't know if Brett knows this, and I want to share this. Like when you mentioned Troy, when Michael was going through his worst scenario, the the trial, there was one cowboy that showed up every day right. in that courtroom. And that was mm-hmm. Troy Aikman. Mm-hmm. And he was there to show his support. He, he wasn't casting judgment. He wasn't being, I'm pro this or anti that. He's like, this is my teammate. I need to be here to support my teammate. That was it. That was the bond that those 90s cowboys had. And his teammate wore that black mink. With the sunglasses, the court. He, he weren't subtle. I'll tell you that much. If I, if I would have been his PR guy. I was like, maybe not, the big maybe not the, Hey, Michael Style, man. Mike, I need to. Uh, Mike was going to be Mike. 
<laughs> I need to start the petition for getting a 30 for 30 on, on this. Maybe oh. maybe we'll do something at PFN, okay. Darren. Okay. No, no, listen, a little backstory here. I have been trying to work with Darren to get this out there for two years. The Cowboys do not have interest in doing this at this no, time. But I'm telling you, it would make the last dance look like a cartoon. Oh, yeah. It would make it look like a Saturday morning cartoon. But here's the The problem. We would incriminate every everyone, including self. I would incriminate myself (laughs) if I did something like this. There's no way I'm not. No. It would be the greatest series ever. I mean, it's not close. It's not close. Like, I know that Michael is Michael, but in the 90s, football was king and the cowboys were the kings of kings yeah 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 look i'm all all i'm gonna say darren is you know pro football network has a production company you know trey's got my number if this if this if we can get you an immunity deal and we could get this going you know we'll we'll get this going but i ain't worried about darren it's some other people i'm worried about (laughs) we need the boss man we need the boss man to sign off on this one uh Darren, before we before we let you get out of here and dude, thank you so much, man, for being so gracious yeah. with your time. It's such a treat. Um, I like to always, you know, try to ask some personal questions. Trey hates this part of the show, by the way, but I I <laughs> I enjoy it. Um I know that you're you you know you you've got some entrepreneurial stuff going on, you got some other businesses that that you're involved in. And when you're so spread out and doing all those things, it can be real tough to uh say no to some things. What is something in the last year you've gotten better at saying no to? And how has that better impacted your 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 life going forward? Uh, I've gotten better at saying no to, uh, honestly, appearances. Okay. Just, just outside appearances, whether it be speaking engagements or whatnot. Because I, I feel like, you know, for me, and I'm not speaking for everyone else, but I'll speak for self. I need to be high and, and Trey knows this. I need to be hyper-focused on one or two things. Yeah. I can't be all things because when I start to be all things and I have three or four things going on, five things going on, I'm half, you know, I'm just, I'm just not that good at it. I can't yeah. juggle. So what I've always done was I've always done appearances. I've run my commercial real estate firm. I've done, I got a software company and I've tried to do all these things, but I can't be all things to everybody. So I've had to mix the appearances and focus on what I love to do. And those are, and that's to run those two businesses. And you've seen, you've seen your ability to do that improve since. And it's hard, man. Look, there's times when people don't like, no, they don't like, no. And I, and I get it because I don't like that word. No, as well. But in order for me to be the best that I could possibly be, I have to say no, because all I was doing half the time was giving you just a third of who I really was anyway. So Listen, there's there's a story there that that people need to understand. Well, there's two things, and then we'll let you go because you've been so gracious with your time on this appearance. Um, ESPN was dying to have Darren back. They're like, hey, just come, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we had conversations like, Trey, I got this going on here. I got the, Could I come up here and do this and sort of walk my way through it and say, hey, I'm Darren Woodson, eh, you know, three-time Super Bowl champ. I could. I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. he, he made the commitment or the decision that, this is not something that I'm going to prioritize in my time. And I don't want to take their money to fake it. Right. And I, I, I will always respect that about Darren and tell you a quick story. When, when AT&T stadium, or it was just Jerry world at that point was opening up, I got uh, my son and a couple of his friends were going down to a game. And I told Darren, Hey, we're going down to the game. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, where are you staying? All we got, he goes, no, no, no. 
you're staying with us. So, you know, he, he brought me and my, my son and one of his friends and we all crashed at his house. Like that's the kind of person Darren Woodson is. Once you're in, you're in and your family. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's one of the best friends I ever made at ESPN. He continues to be one of my best friends to this. And yeah. we talk about all kinds of that has nothing to do with football that's all right. the time, yeah. Yeah. all the time. And that ain't never changing. So he's as real as they get. And that's why it's a crime that he's not a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Sensei. Got it, brother. Yeah. Well, Darren, thank you so much, man. Thank you for saying yes to more than football and and and, and to Trey. And, and I'm very happy to be the beneficiary of that. Of, yeah. of that. So nah. thanks so much. Uh, this is Trey Wingo at Wingo's with a Z on Twitter. I am Brett Yaris at B underscore Yaris. And he is soon to be, God willing, and it should be, future Hall of Famer for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Mr. Darren Woodson at Darren Woodson 28 on Twitter. This has been more than football. We'll see you next week.